Well, if you're in danger, it's good to know that you are. And uh, I have been in a couple of situations that I did not realize the um, battle that was going on around me. One of those occasions was a number of years ago when you could actually travel to the West Bank of Israel. The West Bank is the disputed area that's under the control of Israel, and it's a long story. But anyway, the capital of the West Bank is Ramallah. And uh, Ramallah had, uh, in those days, and I believe still does, but in those days, a very significant independent Baptist church that we had a lot of friends there. And, and one of the things we always enjoyed when we were there is we'd go there on a Sunday and just uh, have a good time uh, uh, preaching and ministering in that church. Well, the infantata began prior to our trip years ago. And uh, we had planned to be there on a Sunday. And at that time, we had Arab uh, Palestinian guides because we did go into the West Bank quite a bit. We were able to see uh, Shechem, you know, Jacob's Well, uh, be able to go down to Hebron and into Bethlehem and places like that. That you can go to Bethlehem, sort of, today, uh, but you can't go to Hebron, you can't go to. The West Bank can't go to Jericho. It's just sad because of uh, what's going on politically there. So uh, we had this guide, and he wasn't real happy about us going there, but did not stop us. Well, I began to find out as I um, got to know our guide that he was one of the five leaders of the PLO. <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad. I was a little nervous about that. And uh, back then, the PLO was very powerful. Uh, it's not so much today, but it ruled in those days. He was a man probably six foot five, six, I don't know, big guy. And uh, he was from the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip, of course, is where the Philistines were, uh, right along that coast there. And uh, it's very interesting, he did not come from an Islamic background, he came actually from an uh, Orthodox background, which is very common in Israel. And we did a little bit of talking, this is off subject by the way of the illustration, but might as well mention it. Uh, he talked about the fact that um, the, uh, a number of the Palestinians are not Arabs as such. They really uh, trace their background to the old Canaanites, and, uh, and he actually tried to, he tried to make a case that he could trace his lineage back to the, the Philistines. Well, as such a big guy, I thought, well, you never know, it could be a, a Goliath Jr. here, you know, but, uh, uh, but it was uh, very interesting uh, how that, that you, have you ever wondered why the Arab world can never get together? Well, it's made up of all kinds of, uh, of different nations. Uh, Iran, Persians, you know, Iraqi, the Babylonians, uh, you know, all of those ancient nations that have a lot of bad blood for a lot of years. So uh, Israel, that wouldn't stand a chance if they could all really cooperate, but uh, they hate each other as much as they hate Israel, so it's a very interesting thing. All right, back to the illustration. Uh, we were uh, in Ramallah. And uh, went to the service there, and uh, when we first came, we were glad to see everybody, but we noticed, my father and I, the look on my uh, uh, guide's face, and, um, and I began to wake up. He told me, he said, we're out of here at the minute your father finishes preaching. 
And finally, I, I, I said, well, you know, they want us to have fellowship. They've got a dinner planned for us. They said, we're out of here right after your father finishes preaching. And he pointed out the window to me. Right next to the church was a hospital. And uh, on the hospital flew the Star of David, the Israeli flag. I looked and like, uh, like insects coming up a, a building, there were men coming from all sides, uh, PLO uh, men coming, going up, soldiers going up, and they were taking the uh, hospital hostage from the Israelis. And so I'm, while my dad is preaching, I'm watching the Israeli flag come down and the PLO flag go up. And uh, then I noticed the uh, outside, there's a bunch of men, and they were, our bus was right there, and they were putting rocks, big boulders, all around the bus. Well, you know, when I first came into the church there, I was enjoying, going to have a good fellowship, going to get to see all these people again. Halfway through that service, I got a, I'm telling you, I, I began to shiver, and it was not, was not cold. And uh, I realized that we were in danger. And I'm telling you, this uh, man was under extreme pressure. So I told everybody, quickly, get in the bus. Let's get out of here. We got on the bus. I said, how are we going to do this? He started barking orders. And, of course, he was a well-known leader. He's one of the five major leaders. And he got enough of the rocks moved. We jumped over those rocks with that big bus and roared out of town, to much to everybody's relief. But... Uh, the thing that, um, that really struck me when I was there was I had no idea how much danger we were in. Later, he said, it's a miracle we got out of there. They would have loved to have an international incident right there at that point. And uh, he said, frankly, if I hadn't been there, I don't know what would have happened to you all. But he said, I barely had enough authority myself because when people are rioting, they lose their heads, and it was a big deal. They were taking over the town, and uh, we got out of town, and then we got back to Jerusalem, and some of the Israeli uh, leadership found out we had been to Ramallah. Ooh, they were upset, uh, but glad that we came back. But folks, as much as that was unnerving, in a good way, not a dehabilitating way, we need to be regularly respectful of the battle that we're in. The battle, obviously, for the cause of Christ, but I want to focus it first and foremost on you and on me because we are in a spiritual battle, and it's because of the cause of Christ. And young people, the more you desire to serve the Lord, you need to be aware of this. So I want to go to a passage I've alluded to often, but I want to take some time on it this time. That's Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll turn there with me. And our theme today is going to be one short little verse, but we're going to work our way up to that verse here uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now, the book of Ephesians is a tremendous book on the day and age in which we live. We have the glorious truth of the, uh, of the way God has formed his body, the local church, and the 
glory of the church. And that's how God receives glory. Uh, verse 21 of chapter 3 says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And you have the fact that the Jews and Gentiles have become one. and so It's a new spiritual race, even though Israel still literally will come back upon the scene. And uh, the fact of what Christ has done for us, you have superlatives given all throughout this epistle, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We quote that often, according to the power that worketh in us. And because of all of that, in chapter 4, we are instructed to walk worthy of that, we are to live in accordance with that. And the first 16 verses give uh, the tremendous uh, uh, practical application to the body of Christ. But then starting in verse 17, you have a very serious warning. And so in context of what we're burdened in ministry, we need to take this warning uh, very, very seriously. Now, let me remind you that the father of sin is the devil. Uh, sin was in him before it was in the human race. So that's why God calls him the father of lies. He's the father of all those who are spiritually unregenerate. He is the reason for that. It did not begin on earth. It began in the rebellion in, in heaven. It did not begin in the human heart. It began in the soul of Lucifer. And that's why he has no hope. He was the highest anointed cherub in glory. In fact, when you saw him, he was so created in such a way that no one could look at Lucifer without thinking of God. He was so glorious. That was his role, to bring people to adoration to God. And so uh, he lifted up his heart. And so he... He does not like us, folks. Okay. He doesn't like people in general. Now, he's a murderer. Uh, he has endeavored to destroy the human race. He knows good and well what's going to happen to the human race. And um, it, it's a hatred that's unbelievable. Beggar's uh, description. Uh, his whole purpose is to deceive us, to degrade us, to distress us, to destroy us. You see, man is made in the image of God, and Satan can't stand man because he can't stand God. Even unregenerate man is made in the image of God, obviously. And so he cannot stand it. He does, he does everything he can to make the human race look like him instead of God. Think about that. He's doing a good job of it. If you've ever seen someone that had the hatred in their heart toward righteousness and uh, who, are, who are filled with sin, their distorted face gives you uh, shivers up and down your spine because they look like the devil. They really do. It's an amazing thing. Well, if he hates the human race because he hates God, imagine those of us where the image of God is being restored. And uh, we are beginning to show forth his glory. We start doing what he was created to do. By the way, that's what's happening. We are to be the glorious church that brings people to worship to God. So that is not acceptable to Him. Now again, we don't need to have a wrong perspective on this. But you need to understand that. You don't live in a neutral world. 
Well, all you have to do is read the headlines, and you know you don't live in a neutral world. But, you know, don't we just sort of get into life? And we forget the very real battle. And, however, you don't have to be the devil's dupe anymore. Isn't that great? And you got to understand, he fears us as well as hates us, those of us that are saved. Because he knows that if we're in the Spirit, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we are in a battle, and he loves it, and this is what we're going to talk about, when he gets us into a weak position. But he also fears us greatly because he fears Christ. And so therefore, we must not give ground to the devil because of the the tremendous privilege we have to show forth God's glory and to further the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the minute we allow ourselves to slip into our flesh-dependent living, we are now in a place of vulnerability that allows Him to overcome us. Don't give ground uh, to the, the devil. It says place. The idea of place is ground, a portion of space in your life. Don't let that happen. And it's encouraging, as uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And that's why we're speaking today. We don't have to be ignorant. We don't have to live in a morbid fear, but we need to understand the reality of it. I'm praying this won't happen. But there'll be somebody in this student body that will shock you in 10 years as to the degraded lifestyle they will get into. Most of the time, they don't aren't the ones that finish. But it's, it's, it's unbelievable. There's a very real devil. And we're going to look at the fact that we're very vulnerable in ourselves we're not vulnerable at all when we're in God. But to have any confidence in the flesh is the most foolish thing in the world. And that's why I've kept alluding back to the, 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 uh, the simple emphasis on 0-100, uh, the messages during the teen summit, uh, the message by Brother Bosler about every day 0-100, because that is the key. That's a bigger battle than you know. And if you are not living in the power of God, you are more in a more dangerous place than you realize, and you really can change. I've given this illustration before. A liberal preacher announced in defending his uh, theological position, I'm not afraid of the devil. Well, one of his uh, not liberal friends heard him say that, and he said, that's not what matters so much. Let me ask you a more, in que uh, more important question. Is the devil afraid of you? <laughs> that's the question. That's the question. We don't have to be afraid of the devil, but we better respect him, and we better be afraid of us, and we better understand that when we're right with God, Satan will be afraid of us. Now, I want to go back to where this whole passage begins, and that's verse 17. And see here the warning. This comes out of the tremendous truths of how the church of God marches forward with every member ministry. But then he says, 
Verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Therefore, based upon who we are in Christ, based upon the great privileges that, that we have, um, we're, we are not uh, to walk like we used to walk. You have the worthy walk in verse 1. Now this is the walk that we're not to have. Notice it says, I say therefore, but then he gives tremendous import to this by saying, and testify in the Lord. This emphasis is God's emphasis. Jesus is substantiating what I'm saying. That we as believers cannot dare walk like we used to walk before we were saved. We cannot walk in the mentality and with the goals and aspirations of the world that we were saved out of. We cannot walk in the vanity, the, the empty thinking of the world. And uh, folks, let me just say this. When we preach about the world, this is not a small matter. When we talk about worldliness, we're not talking about this standard versus this standard. We're talking about being in the spirit, loving God, loving not the world, and being in a place that Satan cannot destroy you. And that your life will be such a, an example that other people will be rescued also. There's a much bigger picture. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And uh, that, that um, is uh, so important. And if, uh, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a pretty powerful statement for all that is in the world. And it goes on. Uh, to give that. And so this is a very strong passage. Worldliness, I want you to get this, worldliness opens the door to satanic attack. Let me say it again. Worldliness opens the door to satanic attack. You see, the culture of any society is designed by Satan, that's the word cosmos, orderly arranged to blind the minds of people lest they believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There are neutral aspects to culture, but most of culture is not neutral. That's why, by the way, those of you in missiology, and I've mentioned this before, I think I mentioned it a few months back, those of you in missiology need to be very careful about contextualization to the cultures that you're going to. Do you want to bring a, being American to the culture? No, that's not the idea. But you want to bring Christianity to the culture. And Christianity is going to change the culture because the culture anywhere you go has been arranged by Satan to destroy people. And you've got to have the discernment uh, to, un to see what elements are clearly demonic and what are neutral. And you'll find that there are far less neutral elements to it than you realize. And that's why uh, you have had people, uh, you know, for instance, in many cultures, uh, the little baby girls are no longer killed because of Christianity. Uh, you don't have wives burned uh, and buried with their husbands when their husbands die. That's Christianity. And on and on you can go. Um, by the way, that's why when Christianity comes, cremation ended and burial began. That brought up a whole new topic. You need to study that, men, because I need to talk about that. Remind me, Brother Swanson, in 
the matter of, uh, in our men's classes, about the fact there is a reason why we do bury. I'm not going to say it's a top biblical conviction, but I think it's a very important thing. But every culture in which Christianity has come, that practice changed because there's a lot of pagan thought with the burning of a body and, and so on. You could just go. But my point is this, folks, is that culture um, is uh, uh, that which Satan uses. And it says here, walk not in that thinking anymore. Why? Because, verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. What a description. And again, that's not hard for our generation to understand. Now here's what you've got to see. Basic, basic theology that we talk about. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions either is going to be under the control of the Spirit of God and your inner spirit that has been regenerated, or it's going to be under the control of your body of sin, your sin nature. And uh, your very spirit, who you really are, was regenerated the moment you got saved. And you've got the all-powerful Spirit of God within you. And... Our, what Satan is going to do is to endeavor to get us to get off the ground of spiritual thinking, spiritual emotions, spiritual heart, and, and spiritual dependence with our will. He will get us into flesh-dependent will, emotional Christianity, and get us into intellectual Christianity get us off of the ground of walking with God, knowing God, and being spiritually transformed. We'll see that in just a minute here. When that happens, he can, and it comes because we don't want to give up the world. We don't want to give up the past life that we had. Now, honestly, young people, doesn't the world have a lot of pull on you? Now, let's just be honest about it. Don't you at times feel a little out of it? I mean, everybody around you is different. And the minute you let down and are not right with God, that's a powerful, powerful pull. And so we have got to understand that Jesus himself testifies that we can't walk that way anymore because we are part of a new race. We are part of the church of the living God, a spiritual kingdom, and we have a cause that is great and that we are not of this world, we are not to love this world, and we got to make a decision to keep into a place in which we're walking in relationship with God so that God can then accomplish His purpose in our life. We cannot dabble with the world and endeavor to be a Christian. Listen, the reason we look at churches across the nation today and we don't see power is they're trying to be true to the Word and yet contextualized with culture. It doesn't work. Now, this is a strong, strategic passage that says, don't do it. Don't even think that way. And you note in verse 19, it says that uh, what happens is, if you let the world overtake you, you begin to get callous. You get sin in your life. Some of you have never faced it, but I faced it. People that have given themselves over to sin, um, 
they, they, there's a callousness to them and there is an anger in them that is unbelievable. Uh, but I'm just telling you folks, it's ugly. The whole agenda is ugly. You are going to be hated for the cause of Christ. You need to get a hold of that. You are not going to be really, uh, you're not going to have this nice popular life. Now, I think we're going to see great days. In fact, I'm jealous of you. I think you're going to see, your generation is going to see some of the greatest days ever in the history of uh, our country. I, I really believe that with all of my heart. But uh, you've got to understand that this is the way it is. Now, having said that, you're capable of that. Now, young people, I don't want to be negative. And I'm going to get to the positive part here in a minute. But do not, do not overlook the fact you still have the body of sin. You tolerate sins of the mind, sins of the spirit. You shortcut on certain things in your life. Satan is more powerful than you know, and you live long enough outside the power of the Spirit. Young people, you can do anything. I've been around for a while. I've seen it. I've wept. And I know my own heart. I mean, what we're, we're not playing games here at BCM. This is not just going to college. This is really serious stuff. And I'm telling you, we... We cry out to God for every one of you. And you've got to understand that uh, Satan is very powerful. And you have a flesh that's willing to go along with him if the spirit's not in control. That's why you've got to develop spiritual character, spiritual thinking. Back to the matter of your mind, will, and emotions. Who's going to control it? The Holy Spirit or your fleshly nature? Now think about it. Haven't you really gotten bummed out sometimes in your mind? Haven't you thought some thoughts? You think, whoa, how did I get such a bad attitude? That was, oh man, that was scary. Or, I can't believe I thought some of those things. That's what happens if you go long enough. In fact, people, genuine Christians, can get so controlled by the flesh in their mind, in their will and their emotions that you can't recognize them. I've looked at some Christians, and I know who they are, but I don't know who they are. The one thing I know is that God loves them, and I've seen many break. But man, I tell you, it's a grief. How do guys go into progressive ministries that are obviously unbiblical? It's because of unresolved issues in their life. Make no mistake about it. The only way you'll stay straight is to walk with God. So we have a warning here. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. This is not who you are. And every believer here, you are a pilgrim. You are a stranger in this land. Uh, you are, this world is not your home. I'm telling you, get a hold of the fact your citizenship is in heaven and you're here temporarily to reach this world for Christ. And uh, don't get too comfortable here. Really, don't get too comfortable. We've got comfortable Christianity, materialism. In the, you're all going to face it, trying to, to reach people uh, that, are, that are Christians in your churches, and they do not want to be shaken out of their, their nice little cocoon 
and the world in which they live. But that's not what you've learned of Christ. And here's the key of what I've already been saying, and then I want to finish here with our text. Verse 22, that, that you put off, or it talks about you're, you need to be putting off concerning the former, former conversation, the way you used to live before you were saved, the old man. In other words, you are no longer the old man. Why live like that? You know, isn't it terrible when Christians look just like they looked before they were saved? Nobody can tell they're, they're a new man. You're to put off that. Now, you want a good verse on a new lifestyle, that's it right there. Put off the old man's clothes is what it talks about. And, and, and literally clothes, literally attitudes, literally priorities. They ought to be totally different than what we, than, um, what we were before we were saved. And I want everybody to know I'm a Christian. You know, I know you, you gals really feel it because you don't dress like everybody else dresses. That's not all bad. How many times my wife, it's, a, it's usually a couple every other week, are you a Christian? <laughs> you know, or uh, that they immediately will know something is different. That's not all bad. We don't, our spirituality is not what we wear. But I mean, the point is when you're endeavoring to be biblical, let it be. Fellas, be men. You know, we believe in male and female. Be careful of the uh, conversation of this world that makes you into a woman. I mean, seriously about it. This is not a small matter, and I don't have to even try to convince you on that. Everybody ought to say, you know, there's something about that young man. There is something different about him, even in the way you present yourself. I appreciate those of you that went to the Catholic uh, school to help out with some of the books and materials that were there. And the, and the two people that were there just could not get over. They said, there is something different about your young men. Praise the Lord. That's what it's talking about. New clothes. I'm not talking about literal clothes. A new life. New presentation. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be, listen, don't hear this legalism stuff and get thrown by it. Get yourself immersed in the Word of God. Get the heart about it, what it is. Just even know Ephesians and you won't have any trouble being different for Christ. Oh, how important it is. But the key is that we want to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Verse 23, Holy Spirit changes our mind, will, and emotions. And we need to live out the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Be who you really are. Aren't you glad you're a Christian? Aren't you glad you're a new creation? Aren't you glad you have the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad you're a new man? And not like what we just read? Well, then live it out. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of Christ. The Lord said if you're going to be identified with, with Him, you will have some persecution, but that's okay. That's a real privilege. I've had a few times where, whew, I got it, and then joy just flooded my soul. I didn't bring that on myself. That was because... I was identifying with Jesus. And you know, you can almost sense his arms around you at that moment. Thank you for being faithful. Some of the sweetest moments you'll ever have is when you take it on the chin for Christ. Now, don't bring it on yourself. Read 1 Peter. It tells you don't do that. It needs to be because you just have the sweet spirit of the Lord. Well, that leads us then to the verses preceding neither give place to the devil. And let me just give you a final concluding thought here. 
And that uh, verse 25, Wherefore, put a, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. First step in giving place to the devil and not living according to the new man, hypocrisy. Satan is a liar and the father of it. Young people, you'll often hear preached, I hear preached here that in Bible college, it's easy to be a hypocrite. This ought to be a place that's easy to be real. That's what I long for, and I think that's been far more the case. But don't play the game. I tell you, if you're not honest and transparent, it, it's really, you're going against what God's given you here. We are members one of another, this verse says. Be truthful. And let me just say, you are in danger if you haven't been honest with your parents. Did God deal with you about something in the summit and you didn't do something about it? Is there something, and I'm not talking about being overly introspective, but are you not honest about some of the things going on in your life and you know it? That's why you just don't have the edge. You, don't, you can't quite understand why others have such freedom and joy. You can't be a hypocrite. Uh, or there'll be darkness in your life. You are really going to be susceptible. And uh, I just, you know, that one little thing, it doesn't seem that important. Oh, I'm telling you, it's really important. I gave such a heavy-hitting beginning to this message because I wanted to get to this point and make you realize that that one little thing you're covering and haven't been willing to be honest about, 10 years from now, you're gonna, you will regret that badly because Satan got you. And think of all the souls that were not saved. Think of all the people. Think of your own family that's been ruined. It's a tragic thing. Is that little thing worth it? That's too embarrassing. Now, let's don't lie. Let's don't cover. Let's don't be dishonest about who we really are. Don't, I tell you, one of the worst things is to be pious. I love people that just love to talk about the Lord, but boy, when I, I can just tell when they're just being pious, and that just gives me the, excuse the term, willies. I mean, it, um, I just, it's one thing I, I'd rather, I, I, I can take somebody straight out carnal than I can take a carnal person acting spiritual. That one just is, yeah, you know, and, 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 and some of these prayers that are lofty, you know, and I think I just go, uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Don't be that kind of person. Don't put it on. Listen, everybody in here has problems, right? Aren't you battling some things? Well, not that you're telling everybody, but if you need to just get, pray with somebody, be open, honest, def definitely if it's authorities that need to know, do it. Learn. Because what are you going to do six years from now in the ministry? And you're afraid to tell anybody because you're a senior pastor. And you haven't been honest. You're in trouble. And then you're going to hurt an entire flock of people. And it's a tragedy. So we give place to the devil by not being honest. And then verse 26, when we're not honest and we don't have the right relationships, we get angry. I can tell you right now, it's carnality that gets frustrated. Now, your roommate may be a pest. But if you're irritated with your roommate, that's your problem. Now, don't be a pest. Okay, I mean, don't be, wash your clothes. You know, do things like that, please. I mean, those things. Don't tempt your roommates into having wrong attitudes. All right, whatever it is. Don't leave things out everywhere. I mean, come on, get with the program. All right, now, but back to this. If you are frustrated and irritated, that's because something's wrong. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down in your wrath. You see, when you're not being honest, when you're not living a real life, when you're not being transparent, you don't know how to get right with authorities, you begin to get frustrated with anybody around you. And you know who you get most frustrated with? Your peers who are trying to do right. Because they bug you. The minute you're frustrated with someone because they're trying to do right, they're not perfect. There's no perfect student here. You need to say, whoa, I'm a step away from some big trouble. That's a scary place to be in. Uh, don't let anger take a hold of you. Don't let frustration, irritation, that'll lead to bitterness. Bitterness will lead to anger. It'll defile many. And the minute you start living with a bad attitude and frustration, you've just given ground to the devil and he's going to start changing you. He'll say, you don't need to continue on. You know, you don't need to live this strong of a Christian life. Well, maybe you weren't called into the ministry. Or whatever. And I'll tell you what, everybody here has had some of those thoughts. When you haven't walked with God for a while, right? Yeah, absolutely you have. And so, we're right at the key time. And I have gone through this passage before here. But we're right at a key time. This is heartbeat truth. For the work of the body of Christ. And right at the key time in this nine-week block through this semester. Freshmen, keep on trusting God. Anything that's not right, get it right. You stay strong right now. Do not let your life... I have seen freshmen quit at the end of her semester, and it's tragic. I don't think I've ever seen one that has really lasted in what they've done. No, if God called you here, He means you to finish. That was no accident, and it's not easy. But it's okay if you're in the Spirit, because you got all the power you need, you got freedom, you got liberty, you know, and you're going to grow. But this is all a process. But Satan is very strong. And do not give Satan any ground. Listen, one moment in the flesh is too long. Zero, 100, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I'm, I, believe this, I believe this student body has the greatest potential of any group we've ever had sitting in these chairs. But it's all because of Christ. This student body is large enough to change our country. And Satan knows it. And he's on your doorstep. Some of you, he's just, he's already got ground and you know it. And my, my heart cry is, on this day onward, he doesn't have the ground anymore. Because you love Jesus. He's, Jesus said, here, don't walk like you used to walk. Have a renewed mind. Show exceeding abundantly above glory in your life. That's what he wants. Let's bow for prayer. So we bow for prayer here, young people. How many would say, you know, Pastor, this isn't just a matter of I know I need to do better. But I realize that I need to be open. I need to, have, I need to be 
walking in the Spirit and I am too much at times about myself, not fully free, not completely open and transparent, and I know it affects me, and I see today how much of a danger that is. And God definitely convicted me, and I need to get stirred about the cause, wake up to the fact that I am in enemy territory, and that God has a great purpose for me, and I don't want that derailed for His glory. It's not about you having a happy life, it's about God uh, accomplishing His purpose through you. And you'd say, God definitely worked in my heart today. I know I need to turn direction here today. I've, let, I've just let myself slip a little bit with the pressures that have got going on. Or maybe you've struggled for some time. But you say, Pastor, I'm very sincere about asking God to change me and to work in my heart. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand if God's worked in your life? God bless you. Thank the Lord for you. I'd like you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. Lord, would you work in each of these hearts and I ask that you will do the work that needs to be done. Lord, I am for your cause, I'm jealous for these young people. I want every one of them to, to serve you. Lord, you've called them, but there's a battle. And some here are faltering. Some are struggling. Some, some need to deal with things. And uh, Lord, we don't want one casualty. I'd love to be able to look at the class that, or the, the classes that gathered together in 2019, 2020, and to be able to say, not one was lost. And you're able to do that. Everyone's precious. Lord, we love them. Now, Lord, would you protect them? With heads bowed, I'll have just a piano play, but I, I know every, most of you raised your hands. We could all come forward. But I think probably with the type of message I preached, it doesn't mean that there's something you have to confess, but you know that you do need to get back on to really believing God and walking with Him moment by moment. You've let yourself slip some. I'd like you to slip to the back, and, uh, and then Pastor Swanson will have somebody pray with you. That's a whole lot harder. You see, that's that honesty business. Okay. And again, I'm not saying it's that you have something you've got to confess to the authorities. I'm just talking about... You just know it would be good for you to be honest right now. You're not where you ought to be. The attitude slipped. The frustration is there. The, there's some things that aren't right. Maybe the, the world's gotten you a little bit. I don't know. It's so easy to have that happen. You just need to wake up to what the battle is. And so if God definitely worked, I'd encourage you to make a definite statement. And uh, so uh, just uh, as the piano plays, if you know it would be good to pray with someone, you just slip right out. <laughs>